you have the chance to win a Spring Super Sweeps from LAist. Donate $60 for one entry to win a brand new Lexus or $25,000 in cash. Check out all the other prizes too when you donate now at LAist.com sweeps. I'm Tracy Thomas, host of One for the Books, a live literary event series from LAist. We are back with guests, author Amanda Montel and actor Bella Lavelle. You can find us on May 15th at the Crawford Family Forum. Tickets at LAist.com events. It's Film Week on LA is 89.3. I'm Larry Mantle. Wonderful to have you with us. And we're joined this week by critics Leah Lowenstein and Andy Klein of AV Club. First up is Gran Turismo, which is based on an inspiring true story. As so many films are these days, you've got a team of underdogs, a failed former race car driver, an idealistic motorsport executive risking it all to take on the most elite sport in the world. Uh, the film's directed by Neil Blomkamp, written by Jason Hall and Zach Balin, Archie Medequi and Orlando Bloom star in Gran Turismo. Leo, what'd you think of it? This was much better than I expected it to be and probably better than it had a right to be. It was uh, it, because it was directed by Neil Blomkamp, who did a movie that I love very much called District 9. He oh, brought a certain so good. Yeah, it really was. He brought a certain kind of energy and a, and a, and a real sense of how to propel the movie forward, um, despite the fact that it had some problems in the narrative structure and a little bit of a weak script. For the most part, this is a somewhat based on a true story of, of the guy who uh, entered into this Gran Turismo Academy and uh, based only on his intense skill at driving, at simulated driving, and um, became a, a real successful race car driver. Um, the problems with the script were that there really wasn't enough sort of conflict along the way. The conflict felt fabricated, and there were a few weak points, which it tried to compensate for, didn't always do so successfully. I did think the acting was strong, and David Harbour as well as the trainer, and we know him from Stranger Things, brought uh, a certain amount of pathos to it. Um, and it, it really... It, there was a nice use of graphics, which a couple of times it would it would sort of help explain what was going on to those of us who are lay people for for race car driving. It it made that clear, and um, it brought it was a lot of fun. My 17 year old son really enjoyed it as well as Andy and I. I think that's great. I you know I saw the trailer for it and the dialogue was a little a little bit iffy for mm, what they showed yeah. in the trailer. I'm glad to hear it was entertaining. Yeah, I was really surprised and uh it's it's factual factual accuracy is not to be taken seriously i looked up the stuff they make it here that he's the first one to do this challenge of being just somebody working on his playstation who becomes a race driver in fact he was the third annual winner so they've constructed a whole thing around him i think in part because he's got the best backstory yeah. he's a mixed race kid from uh wales from cardiff uh and uh they also monkey around with the timeline he had a big accident that was years after this that they move up to make it part of the conflict that he has this guilt that happens when he, he has an accident and a spectator is killed, even though it's not his fault. Uh, having said that, it is totally entertaining. The way they handled the races was really wonderful. I mean, I watch race movies and I don't know what's going on. And here they had all these superimpositions showing you where he is and what position he's in. And a lot of uh, 
terrific intercutting of playing the the console game with uh, the real racing footage. And it's got, you know, dare I say it, it's got a lot of heart and it's generally engaging throughout. And it's almost two hours and 15 minutes, which I thought should be too long, but it pretty much keeps it going. You know, that that film that Lael mentioned uh, that Blomkamp did a number of years ago really put him on the map. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yet you know, since then, it seems like he hasn't really, that I'm aware of, had a film that's captured critical attention like that one did. No, he had Chappie, right. which With was the, okay, but yeah. not The same so actor great. as District 9, Charles of Copley, mm-hmm. I think. But, uh, yeah, he hasn't been as high profile, I guess, you know, given what a splash he made with that. But yeah. I think this will bring him, put him back on the map. And he really did a great job with this and put sort of a, an interesting stamp on what could have been just a generic racing film. I thought he did an excellent job with it. Agreement. We're talking about Gran Turismo. The film's in wide release. It's rated PG-13. Retribution, a crime drama that stars Liam Neeson, Matthew Modine, and Noma Dumezweni. Uh, the film's directed by Nimrod Antal and uh, written by Alberto Marini. Andy, what did you think of Retribution? Oh, wow. Uh, this, <laughs> this is in the grand tradition of speed and crank and films like that where you've got a terrorist who's planted a bomb and in this case it's great for a 75 year old action star who however old Liam Neeson is because he's in his car seat for the entire film except for like two scenes at the beginning and one at the end uh he's got a bomb under his seat and uh his kids are in the car with him and he has to follow these instructions from a mysterious voice on a cell phone uh We've seen a lot of films like this. This one has a lot of suspense. Liam Neeson is very good, but it has inconsistencies in the way that the there's these huge car chases and he's up against like a million cop cars and he manages to avoid them and then suddenly there are no cop cars or helicopters around for the next 15 minutes. And he's the most the wanted man in in Europe at this point practically. It's yeah. ridiculous. And and the cop show the film at the final resolution it's like suddenly the cops show up the moment something happens. Yeah. Something <laughs> has yeah, happened, yeah. you know, that yeah. things have worked themselves out on their own. And so it was hugely implausible that way. It does. It is suspenseful, and the car chases are good, except for this utter abdication of reality. We're talking about the movie Retribution, starring Liam Neeson. Lael, did you enjoy it? Not enough, Larry. <laughs> you know, I pretty much am in line with Andy. You know, Neeson is always good, even when we've seen him treading the same ground a billion times you know with his kid in jeopardy you know taken um there's a, a number of other film thriller type films that he's done that are like this and Andy's right this is we've seen this trope before there's a bomb under the seat you can't you know you, you can't move or else everyone's going to explode so what do you do that and and it worked much better in speed it's worked better in other things you mentioned yeah. juggernaut to me yes, earlier today favorite. uh the Richard Lester film um and I I think that it started strong. I felt it was really promising. And I was for a while I was like, okay, okay, I think this there could be something here. And then it it just degenerated. Like all Liam Neeson could say is, 
you'll be okay, kids. You'll be okay. I promise you, you'll be. Nobody knows they're going to be okay, but yeah. you know that. Well, he is supposed to be a notorious liar. Oh, that's I mean, true. That's well, a yes. lot of the thing. Yeah. Yes, but it was. Kids but it was just you lie about everything. Yeah, and then the the incongruity to to which you alluded a minute ago about the, you know he's just been hunted down by like. 25 cop cars and a helicopter and the director of Europol and and they've got him sort of like almost at a dead end and then he manages to escape from them break through and and then ends up at a demonstration where there's not a single cop in all of Berlin anywhere for like 15 minutes nowhere nowhere (laughs) and it just felt very insulting as a viewer I felt like the movie was talking down to us at that moment and making us you know taking us for fools which I don't appreciate in a film yeah so it unfortunately Fortunately, it started strong and then it it fell apart. The film's written by Alberto Marini. Retribution, starring Liam Neeson, is rated R. It's in white release. Uh, the comedic drama Bank of Dave is another one of these uh, based on uh, a true story of Dave Fishwick, uh, a guy who established a community bank after he had become a self-made millionaire. So he starts working class guy, becomes wealthy, and then sets up a community bank. The film stars Joel Fry and Rory Kinnear. Chris Foggin is the director. Piers Ashworth wrote the screenplay. Leo, what did you think of Bank of Dave? This movie was so charming, and Andy and I both uh, really liked it, and I was so glad Andy flagged flagged it to me. He's like, you got to check this movie out. What I loved about it, it it brought back to mind the movie, which I think was like, what, 40 years ago now, Local Hero, the charming movie about an oil man who goes to Scotland. Um, This is a movie about a guy from the big city who goes to the burbs and finds his soul and finds his humanity. And it was just so charming. It's filled with all these delightful little quirky British characters like from the Four Weddings in a Funeral vein, you know, the the, the little people that, that stand out and make your day. And um, it, there's there's romance, there's laughter, there's uh, there's deli- it's and it and it is somewhat Andy will talk more about this based on a true story so you know there's that um, I just thought it was the the char- most charming and delightful movie of the week and I was really happy to have something that brightened my day and the music of Def Leppard oh my gosh on- oh. I forgot to mention that <laughs> they, yes they are Def Leppard is in oh, the, the movie group's in the movie they do the, they do the benefit concert oh, yeah okay. and that, so there's that whole extra extra bonus. All right, Andy, what do you think of Bank of Dave? Yeah, this was hands down my favorite film this week. It is very charming. It is very much patterned after Local Hero, though it is not as great as that film, which I think is a truly great film. Uh, but it's in also in the style of Full Monty and Brassed Off and all these sweet British working calendar girls. Um, uh, it is again, takes great liberties with with the factual backstory. As far as I could find out, yes, there was this guy, Dave, and yes, he got to set up a local bank, which was the first bank, new bank approved in England in 150 years. All the stuff about the young lawyer coming to town and uh, uh, the way they're uh, persecuted by the banking establishment and all this stuff and the romance, as far as I can tell, that's all made up. But the basic heart of the story of this guy saying, why can't we have a local bank that serves the community? That seems to be genuine. And I'm glad that they embellished it. It makes it a much more enjoyable film. 
Bank of Dave. How are the performances, Andy? Strong? Yes. Uh, Rory Kinnear, who is the son of the great Roy Kinnear, who was in all these Richard Lester films, including Juggernaut, <laughs> um, plays Dave. And he's just sort of this likable, jolly presence without ever coming across as foolish. Uh I, you know, the rest of the cast was more than adequate. And Joel Fry was excellent. He plays the lawyer who goes to Burnley to who has to, you know, investigate whether this is even something pursuable mm-hmm. from yesterday and Game of Thrones and many other things also does a really strong job. So really good film. Bank of Dave is the film. It's rated PG-13. It's at the Galaxy Theater Mission Grove and available for home viewing on demand. The biopic Golda stars Helen Mirren as the former Israeli Prime Minister Golda Meir. Uh, It uh, covers the period of the Yom Kippur War in 1973 and the challenge that, of course, she faced in that moment. Guy Nativ is the director, Nicholas Martin, the screenwriter of Golda. Uh, So, Andy, what did you think? Did this... um, did this recreate the drama of that period? If I could remember what it was like at that period, I would tell you. And I don't because... You were alive then. I so. was, but it was 50 years ago. And the problem with this film uh, is it's really not a biopic. I mean, it, it is a history of the Yom Kippur War. And it is filled with military talk. And if you don't know the geography very well, which I, again, have forgotten decades ago... It's kind of like just hearing military planning going on. Uh, Helen Mirren totally disappears into the role. And, of course, they give her a schnoz that is at least as big as as the the faux outrage over Bradley Cooper's Leonard Bernstein nose and absolutely ridiculous faux outrage. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's not like it's that insightful into who she was. I mean, we see her in action. And we see her interacting with Liev Schreiber as Henry Kissinger, although they also have newsreel footage of Kissinger, which was kind of disorienting to have both images Mm -hmm. there. Uh, But generally, it's just a history of the Yom Kippur War, and it's a history that seems to me to assume that you know a whole lot about it already. We're talking about Golda starring Helen Mirren. Lael, what did you think of the film? You know, I, given the pedigree... Of the actors, I expected to like it more. I love Helen Mirren, and I think just having the woman who played Queen Elizabeth play Golda Meir is in itself kind of a hat trick. But I felt it was plodding, boring. Andy and I talked about the fact that it was the movies that took historical liberties this week that were more interesting than the one that may have been more uh, historically accurate. Uh, This should have been more. Uh, It should have been better. It should have been more engaging. I wish it had been. Well, and how do you make the Yom Kippur War Boring. I yeah, mean, that's, right? Good question. Uh, Golda is the film starring Helen Mirren, Guy Nativ, the director, Nicholas Martin, the screenwriter. The film uh, was shot in both Israel and the UK. It's rated PG-13. You can see it in wide release. We have many more films to talk about with Andy and Leo when we come back in just a minute. 
Support for LAS comes from Latino Theater Company at the Los Angeles Theater Center, presenting the world premiere of Ghost Waltz by Oliver Mayer, a bold original recovery of Juventino Rosas, one of Mexico's most significant composers. Follow Rosas from his father's early death to his friendship with ragtime genius Scott Joplin, now on stage through June 2nd. Tickets and information at latinotheaterco.org. Imagine if you could charge your electric vehicle at the places you already love to eat, shop, and play. Whether you're at the movies, on your weekly grocery trip, or running errands at your local mall, Volta EV charging stations are built around your day-to-day and located in your community and nationwide. All you have to do is check in, plug in, and go about your day. It's EV charging made convenient. Download the Volta app to find your new favorite place to charge. It's Film Week on LAist 89.3. I'm Larry Mantle, joined by critics Andy Klein and Leo Lowenstein. You know, we were just talking about Golda and how you felt it was sort of a snooze, the film which took us back to the Yom Kippur War of, of 1973 and, and also talking about some of these other films that were based rather loosely in some cases on on real-life figures. And just... You know, question is, what makes for a good historic drama or, or a biopic of, you know, historic figure? Andy, what are some of the, the elements? Well, uh, it's very difficult because you have to impose a dramatic structure. That's always an issue, and it means you are cutting corners and, and skipping through things. I think of the gold standard as all the president's men. Yeah. I mean, that was an amazing screenplay, and that didn't really cut corners, and it was incredibly accurate. Uh, and, you know, however, that, you know, that was William Goldman writing that screenplay, who's great at that kind of thing. Uh, it's it's just very tough to do something that cleaves to reality and is still going to be effective entertainment. Yeah. Well, and, and uh, you know, years ago, full disclaimer here, I, I was a research assistant uh, for the movie JFK. Uh, I came in li- very late to the movie, but uh, working with Oliver Stone, where that film was uh, wildly, you know, contested for for the uh, historical liberties that it took. But also, it was very important to Stone to point out that he was hewing cl- as, as closely to fact as what was readily available to him at that point. The whole point being he wanted more information. So, you know, um, it was, it's, it's always a tricky question. I mean, film, a historical film does have some responsibility to the truth, certainly, but it also has a responsibility to its audience to make it to make it good entertainment and i think it's it's that rare filmmaker that can do both i think stone for the most part can you know and i think i think there are there are others spielberg's gotten pretty good at that certainly mm-hmm. um you know but as we saw with golda for example a film that hues closely to fact isn't necessarily the most engaging all right, uh, let's move on to talk about another new release this week, a historical figure whose life story is told in the documentary Bella, Bella Abzug, who was a member of Congress and a very influential uh, women's leader as well as elected official. The uh, documentary is directed by Jeff L. Lieberman. Uh, Leo, what did you think of Bella? Well, I really enjoyed this documentary, and it was—I found it to be a, a very well researched and thoroughly 
engaging, riveting portrait of the prominent activist who was one of the first to introduce the slogan, a woman should be in the house of representatives. And so this film features interviews with Nancy Pelosi, Barbara Streisand, Gloria Steinem, Maxine Waters, pretty much, you know, all of these incredibly important women who were part of this movement that Abzug herself uh, was involved in, also was very involved in trying to get the passage of the Equal Rights Amendment, which wasn't passed. She ended up being getting a job in uh, the Carter administration, then getting fired by Carter. Um, she was she was a hugely important person. I was very surprised to read in today's New York Times that his that Abzug's two daughters were unhappy with the film. They are both in it, one of them somewhat less so, and they are complaining that they had granted access to some archives and uh, footage and so forth in exchange, I guess, for more creative control. And I guess they're unhappy with the way the film turned out, which I was shocked by because I thought it was a pretty it's very flattering. positive portrait. It's a very positive portrait. Yeah. And I mean, no one's going to come off perfect, but she comes off as a very rich, colorful figure. I don't know what your memories of Bella Abs yeah. are. Well, I just, I think, I think of, of her, the presence that she struck. I mean, she's just a no nonsense. I, you know, very outspoken and, 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 and the Known hats. for the, her the hats, hats, right? The hats were something else. But I, I The just, point about the hats, by the way, was that she, she grew up in a very conservative household, conservative Orthodox Jewish grandparents and so forth. And her, her thing was I grew up with, you know, hats and gloves. I left the gloves behind, but I'm bringing, I took off the gloves, but I'm bringing the hat. So she always wore a hat. It was her trademark. That's it. I didn't realize it was because of the family. But I, I think of her, you know, she seemed fearless. That's mm-hmm. what I remember yeah. at a time when there were so few women in uh, national elective office that she just seemed fearless. Yeah, she did. And I gained a whole lot of respect for her because of this movie. And I think it's one that a lot of people, women in particular, will be interested in seeing. So does, does it give you a sense of how she became Bella? Uh, somewhat, somewhat. Interestingly, not unlike Ruth Bader Ginsburg, she uh, she was very successful. She became, I think, an attorney at it, she, or she went to Columbia. She was very successful. She married a man who was very much a supporter of her and, and wanted her to thrive. And so he was content to sort of be in the background of her life. And um, and she became a community activist and then, you know, be- got involved in local politics, local community organizer, and then local politics, and then, you know, ran for the uh, district of New York that included the village where she lived, and, and then sort of went from there and then went on to, she eventually, when her district was was reorganized, gerrymandered, she, she then lost in a reelection after I think her second stint in Congress, and then ran for mayor of New York, lost to Ed Koch. I think had won several primaries up until then, lost to Ed Koch, and then uh, and then went on to do other things on the larger national political front. But a really, really interesting portrait of a very important woman who was very outspoken and ahead of her time. Bella is the documentary on Bella Abzug, uh, the former member of Congress. The film's unrated. You can see it at several of the Lemley theaters across Southern California, directed by Jeff L. Lieberman. The comedy You Are So Not Invited to My Bat Mitzvah stars Adina Menzel, Adam Sandler, Sadie Sandler, Sonny Sandler, Sammy Cohen is the director, and Allison Peck adapted the 2005 YA novel from Fiona Rosenblum. Uh, this is a, a story about a woman, a young uh, girl preparing for a bat mitzvah, and her plans unravel as the time of the event approaches. Andy, what did you think of it? Oh, boy. Um, 
this is basically a Sandler family uh, vanity project, I think. And, uh, you know, I mean, Adam Sandler's daughters play his daughters. Adina Menzel plays his wife, and his wife plays somebody else's mother for whatever reason. I don't know why they didn't have her play his wife. Um, I haven't been to a Basmithra party in more decades than I'm willing to admit. And when I went to them, it was like 30 people at the girl's house. Here, it is this orgy of conspicuous consumption that is so distasteful. And, you know, if everybody involved weren't Jewish, I, w I would take it as anti-Semitic. But just they have to do a production that is, is like a, a Taylor Swift concert, you know, with <laughs> a, a DJ and, and a huge banquet hall and a video intro and just all this expensive garish stuff. And maybe that's what it's come to at this point. I don't know. But uh, I found that really unsympathetic on every level. And uh, the basic conflict is the simple thing of uh, she inadvertently screws up her best friend. Her best friend and her have a falling out, and she screws up her best friend's badminton, and hers is coming up, and how are they going to make up and mm. all this stuff. Uh, I, j I just, it was one of those films that, I don't know, I hate to, I can't say what I want to well, say. It's one of those <laughs> films that, that, that made me feel embarrassed about being Jewish. Well, Andy, I wonder if, um, you know, there's like a whole genre of, of over-the-top weddings that are lampooned as being, and I wonder, in a sense, is that what they were doing with the bat mitzvah here? I didn't get that feel to it, I, I have to say. I mean, they seem to be all on the side of these these monstrous productions. All right. You are so not invited to my bat mitzvah. You caught a few minutes of it. Is, is that right, I Leo? I did. It was, I, you know, it was sort of over the top. The, the beginning of it was entertaining, but then I felt it went, it just went too far. It was, it was very broad. All right. Uh, the daughters have gotten some good notices for their, for their acting. Yeah, they're in fine. It, but yeah. Uh, you Are So Not Invited to My Bat Mitzvah is streaming on Netflix. It's rated PG-13. Killer Book Club uh, is a Spanish horror thriller that's directed by Carlos Alonso Ojea. Carlos Garcia Miranda is the uh, writer of the film. Uh, Andy, what did you think of Killer Book Club? You've seen a lot of these. This is very much like any number of Japanese and Korean horror films and also somewhat in the, the manner of the Scream films, but without the humor. Uh, a bunch of kids have a book club that reads horror books and they accidentally murder somebody and then they get picked off one by one after the other. And the question is, which one of them is the actual killer? It's by the numbers that way, and there is nothing special about it. All right. Not even stylish. We think of Spanish films as being so stylish, but not even that? Not particularly. All right. <laughs> Killer Book Club. Uh, El Club de los Lectores Criminales is the Spanish title, in case you want to know that. Uh, <laughs> it's rated TVMA, and it's streaming on Netflix. And we uh, segue from that to another horror film, this one with comedic elements, Slaughterhouse. A girl who wants to be elected sorority president adopts a th sloth, and um, horror <laughs> ensues. Now, the, that's the strangest premise, Andy. For it is, and I enjoyed this film infinitely more than Killer Book Club because this one, they play it totally straight while 
the content is completely ridiculous. <laughs> this killer sloth is so good at killing. He, this sorority girl brings him into the sorority as uh, the new mascot. And the killer sloth starts picking off all of her enemies in the sorority. And eventually the killer sloth is like posting on Instagram as killer sloth, posting pictures of his kills. At one point he steals a car. And it's not clear how his feet reach the gas pedal, <laughs> but everybody else is playing it totally straight. And so that actually makes it, I thought, very amusing. Uh, this is from director Matthew Goodhue. Bradley Fowler wrote the screenplay of Slaughterhouse, starring uh, Lisa Amble of Honor and Olivia Royer. It's rated PG-13. You can see Slaughterhouse in select theaters starting next Wednesday. And the uh, Czech film uh, from the Czech Republic and Slovakia, The Owners, film is written and directed by Yuri Havelka, the film is unrated. Uh, this is a comedic drama uh, about a woman who has a plan to convince other co-owners of the flats they live in to save the house in which they live together and which is falling apart. Andy, did the owners work as a comedy? It is somewhat funny. It is also, however, for anybody who is a condo owner and has gone to HOA meetings. This film <laughs> is 90 minutes of an HOA meeting. That is the entire really? thing. It's all real time in one room of these people bickering with each and other. And those are not funny. HOA they meetings. are not. Having sat through them. They are, they, are, they are hellacious. And this is a particularly hellacious one. It does, it does have some wit to it. And it has well-drawn characters. And I actually thought there was some sort of, I almost took a global climate uh, change metaphor from it because while they're arguing all this stuff, every once in a while they cut to electrical wires burning out and pipes starting to leak just gratuitously. It's the only time we leave the room is for that. So, you know, it's it's a nice chamber piece, but... It, and maybe for people who don't go to HOA meetings, it might be much more amusing than it was for those of us who do. Now, I like Czech humor. I'm part Czech. Mm -hmm. I like Czech humor a lot. And but it doesn't it doesn't sound like this has that sort of offbeat, that sort of dry humor to it, does well, it? It does have it does have some of that. I mean, there's a whole lot of bickering over over the one, the one tenant who, who is who is gay, and then you find out the guy who's criticizing him all the time and calling him the you know the f word is in fact uh, himself. We find out at the end, gay, you know, and and it's filled with little character things like that. But the characters are mostly there, all so high strung, and so at each other's throats over utter trivialities. And of course, one person who is insisting that we follow every letter of the bylaws and we can't, there's a thing of who's going to be the vote counter. Well, we have to vote on that. Okay, but who's going to count that vote? <laughs> See, that's absurd as yeah. Czech humor. That definitely yeah. is Czech. All right, thanks so much, Andy. The Owners is the film. Uh, again, it's uh, a film that's written and directed by Yuri Havelka. It's unrated in Czech with English subtitles, and you can see it at Lemley's Royal Theater in West Los Angeles. For our Film Week critics, Leo Lowenstein and Andy Klein, I'm Larry 
Mary Mantle inviting you in case you joined us late or you just want to hear it again. You loved hearing them so much. You can listen to it at LAS.com or you can download Film Week and subscribe to it, even more importantly, wherever you get your podcasts. And then it's right there for you every week that we have a brand new program. Now, coming up on Film Week... We're going to be talking with the writer of a new biography on Chinese-American actor, L.A.'s own Anna Mae Wong. That's coming up on Film Week right here on L.A.ist 89.3, back in 90 seconds. The L.A.ist Spring Super Sweeps is happening now. You can win amazing prizes while supporting your source for local fact-based journalism. One lucky grand prize winner will get to choose a brand new Lexus or $25,000 in cash. Other prizes include an electric bike from Juice Bikes and $1,000 gas gift cards. Your donation of $60 gets you one entry to win. And the more you give, the more entries you get. Donate now at LAist.com sweeps.